lover's blues sometimes, maybe. But suddenly get child. Disgusting. Lovers say the truth. You are now Lovers walk along every night. Peace and blessings, good people. Welcome to another edition of Insightful Discussions. I'm your host, Dwayne Bryant, bringing you another insightful topic. I have a treat for you all today. I have a special guest by the name of Lauren. She's up here today. We're going to talk about a range of things. But first, before I run my mouth, I want her to kind of introduce herself, let the people know who you are, uh, where they can find you on social media, and what we're going to talk about today. Hey, 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 y'all, hey. So, yes, I'm Lauren, Lauren Jones. Um, born in Maryland. I have gone to Winston-Salem State. That's where I met Dwayne. Studied social work. Got my master's in social work. Now I'm a clinical social worker. And I'm really passionate about mental health and just creative and innovative ways that we can reach communities of color. So... Thank you, Dwayne, for inviting me onto this podcast. I'm super excited about it. And I really want to talk about the church being from the country and rural areas, we get a lot of our foundation from the church. You know, a lot of us grew up, either you was an usher in the choir, or, you know, you was an usher, or you was in the choir. You did something in the church. So I definitely understand that. Oh, you're right. I was a choir um, person. I was an alto, but I was one of those muted altos. Like, I knew the words, <laughs> so I moved my lips. But I did not sing. Oh, okay. Because in the church, you have to sing. And, you know, I didn't have the confidence to sing, so I just mouthed it and moved. It it is okay. I was in the choir, too. But (laughs) I wasn't, I I don't know, I wasn't the, I don't know, the the typical choir person. I just was in the choir because it was something to do. Like, I didn't want to usher because I didn't want to stand up. So I was going to be in the choir. (laughs) (laughs) I had to switch from choir real quick because you stay up there during the service. So I moved to dance ministry. See, we ain't do all that. I did my liturgical dance. What? You didn't do... Nah, by the time my church got, the you know, the prayer dancers, the worshipers, <laughs> whatever you want to call I was gone. I was already Uh-oh. in college. I was I was out of there. So. What? But that what speaks to how churches were liturgical dancers. Yeah, they had little praise and worship people coming up there. I remember Chantel. That was the, that was the youth ministry when I left. You know, when you graduate high school, you consider, oh, you ain't with them no more. True, true, but, uh, true, true. But, but not to belabor the point, I think that it's good that we both have a background in the church and we're active in the church. So the topic that we're going to discuss today is is something that's near and dear to our hearts. I think both of us have been on social media, been very active in, you know, advocating for black mental health and specifically black mental health because we see how the church influence, the religious influence has impacted uh, black people's attempts to receive mental health or their openness to mental health. 
So, Lauren, if you will, can you speak to just your, I guess, exposure, experience, and passion for mental health and how that conflicts or how that kind of inspires you to, you know, discuss this topic from a religious standpoint? Okay, so I'm a preacher's kid and a preacher's kid's kid. So my grandfather has a church. My mother is a reverend. My father is a deacon. My uncle is now the pastor of the church. So my whole family is in the church. It's a very small church. Everyone knows everyone. I have to be at every church. It's very apparent when I'm not there. So I go to church very religiously. Mm-hmm. Um Church is in the home, too. We pray together. We talk about scripture together. Um, I mean, it's not jammed down our throat, but whenever we need to talk about any type of tough thing, God and the Bible is within the conversation. Now, that, of course, drew me to social work in the sense that um, missionary work is a big deal. And in high school, I was a missionary. So I went to South Africa in ninth grade. I went to Costa Rica in 11th Mm. grade doing missionary work. And I had foster siblings growing up. So I was within, I wasn't in the system, but I I was exposed to the system of child welfare. So Mm. I knew I was going to either do social work or psychology. And I liked social work just because I really didn't know where I wanted to go yet, but I knew I wanted to get in the field. Um... So, bam, social work. Now, within the <laughs> church, um, within the church, so whenever we talked about mental health or mental illness, um, we also talked about spiritual warfare. We talked about demon possession. <laughs> I think that was probably the very first church segue to mental health um, and praying things out and um, Satan's attacking you on every oh, side, yeah. and oh, yeah. so I had a very like, oh God, mental health. Ooh, I'm scared. I don't want demons, and I don't <laughs> want like no type of you know, no no reason to anybody to pray and no demonic spirits in your life. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you didn't want none of that demonic nature in your life. I rebuke no. thee, move Satan. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that was my first, like, okay, so mental health is a thing, and mental health equates to spiritual warfare, and I don't want no parts. But professionally learning about mental health, that kind of created a dichotomy within my mind, because in the church, whenever there was some type of mental illness, we need to pray it out. But in social work, whenever there's mental health conversations, and I'm even changing my terminology terminology from mental illness in the church and mental health in my profession but with mental health we learned that mental health is a part of health in general then it just concerns your thoughts your feelings and your actions so it's kind of embedded in who you are and what you do and how you think and how you feel and how you behave so there's no praying that out no no it is not And I think training, like you said, the training kind of teaches you that when you have different types of clients who present different problems, it it, it forces you to kind of see things from a different perspective, too. Because like you, you have a social work background. 
And I feel like our fields overlap because I have a psychology background and going through this psychology, um, you know, degree, I'm using the DSM as my Bible. We actually mm. call it our Bible. Mm. So, and that's kind of like blasphemy, right? <laughs> But it's a real thing, though. And I believe that, you know, just like you said, having that background, you 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 have conflicting, I guess, thoughts. You have conflicting opinions about what is mental health. And through your training, you're taught that mental health is this comprehensive thing that just is not just with praying it off. It's not just with talking about it. It's really taking a systematic view of what's going on with you internally and seeing how that connects to the external expression of it. Mm-hmm. So it was really not just one thing. And in the church, you know, I, I remember growing up, if you had a burden, if you had something going on, the pastor, it, you would almost go to church and it seems like the pastor talking about you. It's like a sermon catered to you. But it's in front of the whole congregation. And you know, it's, it's, it's issues with that now as we get exposed to different things. And I don't want to take the conversation in a different direction, but... I, I think it's important for me to note we are in a unique space, I think, maybe in our families or in our communities because we're able to see things from two different perspectives. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's very hard for us to really articulate those perspectives to people who may not have exposure to educational training of like the DSM, but they have the spiritual nature down pat. So I don't know if you can talk, speak to a little bit, a little bit about that, because you're a PK. I'm not. Uh, my my people are deacons, so it's still kind. Of, I'm in the church, but it's it's a different lens or expectation of me than it is of you. No, yeah. Um, I don't want to take it in the different direction either, but I remember a conversation that I had with an elder. Um, not in my family church, but in a church. Mm -hmm. So they're very embedded in doctrine. Mm. And so having a conversation about (laughs) mental health, it's almost kind of like talking to a brick wall just because they're very stagnant in their Mm. viewpoints. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's really, really frustrating So I always have to incorporate, um, make the conversation a little bit broader and talk about physical health. So I would talk about, you know, as a church, you have a lot of wellness initiatives. You have a lot of physical health initiatives, you know, so you're having Zumba on Thursday nights. You're talking about nutrition, healthy eating. You're talking about meal prepping for the congregation, um, and that's awesome. However, we can't talk about physical health without mental health. Oh, yeah. And I definitely agree. It's funny that we're able to have Jesus and pray about it, but also work out, pray to Jesus and talk about it, pray about it, and also eat healthy, go to the doctors. But when it comes to mental health, we can't have Jesus and pray about <laughs> it and see a therapist. Like, I don't, we can't you know, incorporate self-care strategies in the church. We can't talk about suicide. You know, there's, it's just a little bit hypocritical. So I always have to say, I always have to start big talking about health, Uh physical health, and and then incorporate, you know, kind of slide into the, well, mental health is a part of health too. Don't you want your congregation to have holistic wellness? See, you, see, you able to put it perfectly and make it sound good. 
for me, I, I had a completely different experience. I, I remember, um, I think it was my second year of my PhD program. I had a conversation with my home pastor. I ain't gonna say his name, but he he listened to this podcast too. But I had a conversation with him, and me and him just was not seeing eye to eye. And it was simply because I've watched people in my congregation as a from a child until adulthood doing the same things over and over and over again, and they didn't produce any results. It's like how many times can you tell me to pray? How many times can you tell me to go to scripture? How many times can you tell me to continue to go to church and put money in the collection plate and my finances at home are still in shambles? So for me, I'm I'm looking at him like, well, how can you expect me as a, as a young person that's seen this, but I'm also seeing it from a different perspective and you're not giving me anything of life? Because from what I'm seeing, this is death right here. If you, insanity, how we describe insanity in, in my area is that if you continue to do the same things over and over without producing any different results, mm-hmm. but expecting new results, that's insanity from just a basic viewpoint of it. So I feel like sometimes when we look at the church and mental health, I, I think it's just stuck. And for me as a young person, a young adult, I'm at the stage where I can't accept that. Like, I just can't. You can't just tell me to come to Bible study and all my troubles will be over. I'm like, I believe in God, but I'm not I'm not ascribed to the traditional practices of religion or Christianity. I, I just can't. And I got. I had, it took me a while to be honest with myself about that because you don't want to say that. That's like saying you oh, don't no. believe in God. Like, <laughs> it's, it's really like saying it because you didn't, you didn't say you don't believe in God. It's just... Well, I don't think I should really do that. I want to do something different. They can't accept that. H- have you oh. ever experienced anything similar to that? Uh, definitely so. So I think, well, talking big first, I think <laughs> that the church has experienced a lot of millennials walking out of the church and leaving the church oh, and yeah. numbers depleting because now we are of age where we're we've done seen enough and we've made enough We've gathered enough information to make really informed decisions and say, like you said, yeah, this church, this whole church thing, this structure, like this, there's something missing. Something's not working. There's some something systemically wrong with how we're doing things. And I'm not getting said. Ooh, I like that. So in graduate school, I was kind of separated from my family church and I got to do a lot of church hopping. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, like you said, just because I don't want to go to church at that particular time don't mean I don't love God or right. believe that he exists, you know. I believe in the higher being. So just doing a lot of church hopping, and I got to experience a lot of different ways that people do church. Mm-hmm. And I really appreciated this one church out in St. Louis. Um, they were just one full of young millennials. I was like, okay, something's going on. I need to stick around and see what's up. But just their layman's terms of things. I feel like sometimes churches get so dogmatic and they just talk way over my head Mm -hmm. that I don't really feel like there's a connection. So I appreciated them being really down to earth with me, but then also talking about 
things that are going on in the world right now. So we talked about homosexuality in the church. And I was already like, what? We could say that word in church? <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. This is the place where I need to be because, yes, honey, we need to talk. Like, we need we need to rap about this. So we got to <laughs> talk about that. <laughs> we got to talk about mental health there. I mean, I just felt as though, like, okay, I don't have to walk on pins and needles. I don't have to walk on eggshells. And I feel like when you go into mm-hmm. church, in some churches, you are kind of walking on eggshells. There's a certain way to dress. There's a certain way to act. There's certain things to say. We all have the script. Huh. And it's a Come little bit uncomfortable. Most definitely. I agree. I definitely agree. That's interesting so that you said that, yeah. too so interesting keep going keep going i'm loving it keep going (laughs) so i think that that's one thing that's missing the house of the lord is a phenomenal place i encourage everyone to go i don't want anybody to take that out of what i'm trying to say but i am saying Mm -hmm. that the house of the lord the church does need to be approachable and transparent and if we're going to talk about it we need to talk about it and we need to talk about everything and we do need to pray and we do need to read the bible and see what jesus says about these things but then we also need to invite professionals into the house of the lord to talk about things that they're experts in so i think that's something that's lacking too i know that we look to the pastor to lead us Mm. spiritual leader and he should but our spiritual leader is not an expert in everything. No, no. So maybe we need to invite some people in. We, not, I don't really know if that's the answer, but I definitely think that's the place to start. We need to invite people in. But I think you're speaking to something that I, I definitely can resonate with and something that I've been trying to do for the last few years. I speak about my home church a lot, but bringing someone else in or just the the sense of being open to change, being open to new ideas to improve upon what's been going on in the traditions that have been set forth for years. I think that a lot of times we run into people who are just set in their ways and it can, it can be due to a lot of reasons. It can be due to old leadership. It can be due to just the willingness to accept truth. And the truth is that a lot of millennials, as you say, a lot of young people in general are just not aligned to old culture. That's what I call it. I call it old culture. Because a lot of times you, you will see people who will do will preach the same sermon on certain Sundays for years. <laughs> Easter Sunday, you know what that pastor going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like any any Sunday that's like a, a, a traditional holiday, they got they have a sun, they have a sermon just for that. But more importantly, I think that for me, for my experience, I agree with what you were saying. I think that it's very important to to note what you were saying and highlight the fact that it's an issue not just at one place. I think that it's an issue across the board when I speak to my friends that are in North Carolina. I speak to my friends that I've made in D.C. We are all in a place where we're seeking um, religion from a different perspective but also that aligns with the values and and morals that we were instilled as children. That is a difficult thing to do in your mid to late 20s. So even, I'll tell you a story. For me, I found balance in attending church online. Now, I'm big on technology. Like, my dissertation is on technology. 
And I was telling my mom, hey, mom, you know, um, I found, I'm watching sermons on, on, online. You know, I have an app on my phone and everything. You know, watching Pastor Darius Daniels. Uh, watching T.D. Jakes, like making sure I get a word in. I may not go mm-hmm. to church physically, but <laughs> on Sundays, right, Bedside Baptist, I get a word in. But for her, she couldn't accept that, oh, you're not going to church. Oh, you're not. You don't believe in God. Like it always goes back to this, like, oh, you, you don't believe in God no more. You just backsliding. Well, no, it's not that I'm backsliding. Different. And you have to be open-minded to accept that. And if you can't accept that, then it's going to be tension. It's going to be conflict. Oh, yes. Everything that you just said right now, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think it does boil down to that loving God and believing in God can look different. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's not a rubric. There's no guidelines as to what you have to do in order to prove to other people that you love God. That's just. <laughs> and that's true. And I also, I think that too, like one thing that we, we, I think we were talking about it, but we're dancing around it too. The <laughs> mental health aspect of the church. I think that we, we use churches like a blanket for a lot of the issues within the black community. A mm-hmm. lot of stuff going on in our homes, a lot of stuff going on in our environments that we don't really talk about. So they tie into mental health. If you talk about, uh, see, I can't even really, you know, it's no real way to put it, but you have a lot of, of, of physical, sexual things that go on in the church that we don't talk about. We let those kind of sweep under the rug and we give it to God. God, I'm going to give it right back to us every day until we sit down with somebody and deal with it. So how, how do you think that the church or those type of things that happen in our community are influencing mental health but are being hidden by the church oh my god so that's a loaded question i apologize i'm about to say i don't even know where to start with that question um but i do think that kind of ties in the fact that church there so whenever you hear the word church you kind of paint this picture in your mind of what it ought to be um where everyone is like dressed to the nines, everyone is perfect. Um, the preacher is preaching an amazing word. Tides are overflowing. The pews are packed. Like, and when you paint this perfect picture of church, there's no room for human anything, really. Oh no, no human error. There's, <laughs> there's no room for human error at all. So when things do start bubbling. Up and start challenging this perfect image of a church we sweep that under the rug with a quickness mm-hmm. and I think that's where churches kind of got their like oh they're so hypocritical that hypocrisy cloud looming over them because you're right I mean in, in essence you, there's no way to be perfect so the fact that we're trying to be perfect and sweeping things under the rug mm-hmm. as a church I think that we are being really hypocritical so until the church with and of themselves is able to have a kumbaya and say, look, y'all, I know we don't try to be perfect. Like, I know we're supposed to be the body of Christ and we're supposed to be looking like this, this and this. But y'all, y'all, let's just <laughs> let's just be. Can we just be? And yeah. I think until we have that conversation, 
the rug, like people will continue to sleep. People will continue to strive to be this perfect image. And then when other people can't live up to it, they're going to leave the church. Yeah. Case in point, how we just said, a lot of millennials are leaving the church. Yeah, we hip. I feel like we're hip. We're able to say, ah, there's no way. I can't. I can't do this. And, and I think, too, that, like, that is one of the main reasons. Like, a lot of the people I talk to in my age group, they tell me, like, I've let go of this sense of perfection. Oh, no! I locked my keys in my car. What am I going to do now? No worries. Four got keys. Cheapest in the city. Home of the $25 Fable Area Lockout Service. Don't stress. Call four got keys now. 910-391-9726. Four got keys. The $25 Auto Lockout Service in Fayetteville.